option for flying small aircraft. Um, on Monday there was a there was a small aircraft went down in Newton Arts in Northern Ireland. Two people, two people were killed uh, in the small aircraft. One of them was a brother called Phil Murdoch, who was in the assembly girl who I knew
This is a command to say, be filled right now with the Holy Spirit of God. So there's an urgency to us as Christians to put ourselves before God and say, am I truly filled with the Spirit of God? And if not, there's a command from the Bible to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. So, let me just do this slight recap and then we'll go into this. One of the first things we said about the person and work of the Holy Spirit is, beware of forgeries. Beware of forgeries, right? I like the people who I know personally and they're professional forgers. And they never forge 13 pound notes or 17 pound notes or 23 pound notes because it's so obvious that that's a forgery, isn't it? They do something that's very, very close to the original to fool people. Now, a wee bit of history for you. Until the mid 1500s, right? The gospel, what I mean by the gospel is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. That we're sinners, that Christ died for our sins, and the way to have our sins forgiven, peace with God, and a home in heaven wasn't to be religious, it was to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That salvation was by faith, by grace. And way back in the 1500s, there was a whole religious organisation and it would control people by saying to the people, listen, if you want to be saved, you have to go to our church. And you have to follow the rules. But in the mid-1500s, there was people who started to read the Bible. And they thought, ah, what they're telling us is wrong. And so in the mid-1500s, the gospel truth was recovered. It was called the Reformation, right? And one of the big ideas or the main ideas behind it was there was five actually this was one called sola scriptura now what that meant was scripture alone right not the teaching of the church not tradition only the bible the bible's the first the bible's our only authority and to get the truth we go to the bible and if the bible says it we believe it it doesn't matter what you say we believe the bible and in the 1500s things changed dramatically. We wouldn't be sitting here tonight if it wasn't for that movement of the Reformation and that idea of sola scripture. Now, about 120 years ago, amongst evangelical Christians, things started to go wrong on another subject. And it was about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And now we're in 2022, there are so many confusing teachings about the Holy Spirit that we need a reformation, not in the gospel, but in a reformation in our understanding of the Holy Spirit of God. And we're going to do, we've always done what they did way back in the 1500s, we start with the idea, sola scriptura, what does the Bible say? And if the Bible says it, we believe it, and the Bible's our fully and final thought. So when I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit tonight, the idea is this, not what does Jim think, not what does the church think, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Because our world is full of forgeries. Full of forgeries. Full of frauds that tell people it's the work of the Spirit and they're doing the work of the Spirit. And if you were to hold up the Bible and say, show me in the Bible, they wouldn't be able to show you. So we need to have so, so that was the first thing we said. Then the second thing was this, is don't worry about this thing, this diagram. You, some of you have seen it before, some of you Basically, what we were saying is the Holy Spirit is God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is not an influence. He's not a force. He's a real person. 
And the Holy Spirit is eternal and equal in every way as God. He's truly and fully God. In person, he's not a thing or a personal influence. So that was some of the things we were saying. And then we learned some big things. We learned that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all work in a believer's life to do one thing. Isn't that right? To bring glory to God. To bring glory to the Lord. And so the Father saves us, the Son redeems us, and the Spirit works within us for one reason. To make our lives worth something. To make our lives lived for the glory of God. And that's a big thing. See, when a person becomes a Christian, some big things happen in your life. Some really big things happen in your life. Your sin goes, your, your eternity is certain, heaven's for sure. But one of the big things is this, that a life that was broken and useless and scarred by sin can now be lived in a way that you can bring glory to the God that made you. That, that's a wonderful, that's a big, big thing. And we learned that. Then we learned this. The Holy Spirit works in different ways in different spheres. So the whole world, our world tonight is under the influence of God's Holy Spirit. And I'll show you how we, I think this is where we finished last time. Well, that's the four spheres that it works in. That's the world. God's Holy Spirit works to restrain and reveal. Let me explain what I mean by that. The world's a mess, folks. Total mess. It's not the way it should be. Evil happens. Things happen here and gates head in your life and, and things hurt and things are broken and the world's not the way it should be and it's not the way God intended it to be. But can I tell you, it's not as bad as it could be, right? Because right at the moment, God's Holy Spirit is working in the world to put a limit on the evil that's in the world. And sometimes that's difficult to understand, isn't it? But one day when the Lord comes, God's Holy Spirit will be removed from the world and that restraint and evil will be taken away. And evil in all its forms, and its worst forms, will stop through the whole world. And if you want to read about that, you can go to the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and you'll read about things that will happen in the future when God's Holy Spirit is removed. So God's Holy Spirit now restrains. God's Holy Spirit also reveals. In other words, he opens people's understanding to what the Bible says. You see, there are lots of people can understand the Bible academically. But it's not an academic understanding of the Bible that's the end. You have to understand what the words say, but the Bible is the door that opens up to reveal God's Son, Jesus Christ, who he is and what he's done and what he will do. And it's only as God's Holy Spirit works in you and opens your eyes that you come to understand those things. So, when I became a Christian, the first thing that struck me was I was a guilty sinner. Right? A really guilty sinner. I've broken God's law and done things. Now, who made me feel like that? Certainly my mum and dad didn't make me feel like that. Because they were always telling me what a good boy I was. Because they didn't do that. They didn't know half the things that I'd done wrong. Right? I used to hear great preachers. And I'll tell you, it wasn't a great preacher that persuaded me that I was a sinner. It was one night in my own, in my own room that in my heart, God's Holy Spirit opened my eyes and I realised what a sinner I really was in the sight of God. That's fine. Right? Now, when Jesus died on the cross, he died for my sin. I'd been told that nine months before I was born. 
right? Because I was taking the gospel meetings nine months before I was born. So I'd heard the story of Jesus coming and dying on the cross for our sins, and that trusting in him was the only way of salvation, and I'd heard it thousands of times. And to one night, to one night, alone, it was just that the penny dropped. And I realised he died for me. Because it wasn't just understanding the words, it was understanding the truth and God's Holy Spirit reveals. And when we pray for people in the world, when we pray about the gospel, you know what we're praying for? Not that we'll be good preachers and not that we'll be able to make good arguments, but God's Holy Spirit will open people's eyes to see how much they need to learn. So, God's Holy Spirit also works in what's called the church universal. What do I mean by that? Every Christian, true Christian, who's put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, irrespective of where they live, what church they go to, um, you know, what colour their skin is, what age they live in, every single Christian from the what we call Pentecost to the Lord comes is part of the church universal, right? And God's Spirit works in every Christian. So when, I, when I'm in an airport and I'm having McDonald's and I'm waiting to go somewhere and I look at a table and there's, another, and there's, some, there's a family there and before they have a McDonald's they bow their head and they give thanks for their food. Do you know what I do? I go and join them because I know they're Christians. Now, I don't know who, who they are or where they're from or, or, or what they're about but I know they belong to the Lord and because they belong to the Lord we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? And God's Spirit works amongst Christians like that. And this is what he does amongst them. He unifies and he equips. Right? So, when I meet another Christian in Marks and Spencer's or McDonald, if I've never met them before, it's like I've known them all my life. I remember meeting Duduzzi for the first time, I don't know how many years ago, standing right by that pillar there, and I knew he was a believer. We've never looked back since that day. Never looked back since that day. And that happens all the time. Because when you meet another Christian, just by virtue of the fact that you're another Christian, you have a bond and a like with them, and you'll call them brother and sister. But God's Spirit equips the universal church to help each other. Right? So we don't just help each other on a wedding, a Thursday night, and here. If we bump into a Christian in the bus, or we encourage them, and we help them, and we bear each other's burdens, don't we? We pray for each other, we, 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 we help each other, we, we provide for each other, and it doesn't matter where we go or what we do. The Holy Spirit also works in the local church. So, here at Benjamin, there's a wee group of Christians here, and we're part of the local church, right, okay? Uh, and we, we join together and we deliberately join ourselves to each other and form a local church. And God's Spirit works in local churches. Now, we, we won't talk about it tonight because we're going to be talking about it in 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14 in the next few weeks. So we're going to learn a lot more about that there. But what the Holy Spirit does in a local church is this. He distributes gifts. And the picture is a body, right? Your body's different. And your body has different functions. Your hands get a different function and your eyes get a different function. But the body gets the different functions to work together. And so in a local church, God's Holy Spirit will mark you. To do out for something, sit out for something, norm out for something, palm out for something, and, and you'll be part of the body. And God will give you what you have to do use for his 
and, and there's no jealousy and there's no competition and there's no fighting. You know, my fate, my hand doesn't fight with my mouth and my, my eyes don't fight with my ears. We work that works together. And that's what God's Holy Spirit does. He takes a local church and he gives every member of the local church the gift that's necessary for them to function to help the whole church. Then it says this, he edifies the local church. And we were talking about that on Sunday. We're built up. And God's Holy Spirit never destroys. He always builds up. And a local church, why we're here tonight? Why do we pray together? Because it builds us up, doesn't it? It strengthens us and keeps us going. Why do we read the scriptures and, and talk about this? Because it builds us up, keeps us strong. And if we get separated from the local church, you know what happens. Anyway, but this is where I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes. I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit's work in the life of every individual believer. So the Holy Spirit's working in the world. He's working with every Christian. He's working in a local church. But he's working in me and he's working in you. And I want to think very specifically about what the Holy Spirit's work is in the life of an individual believer. We're only beginning to start with it tonight. He fills. That's why we read it, be filled with the Spirit. Did you get those two references? Be filled with the Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. God's Spirit can fill us. Why? Because he wants to reveal Christ in us and reproduce Christ through us. Right? And we can't do that on our own. We can only do that as we are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We'll talk about that. But he empowers us. He empowers us. He gives us the power to see him at work in various ways. Good preachers are good folks, right? But God, it's only as God fills this, the word of God through the preacher that it will do any good to anybody, right? Our words came to you not in enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. I remember. I remember in Newcastle we had a mystery conference and we had two speakers, right? And the first speaker was from Ireland actually, so I better be careful what I say. But he got up at the beginning and reading the note at the clock and he says, they've only given me half an hour and I'll never get in half an hour what I want to say. He was dead right, because an hour later he was still going. And everybody was bored stiff. And he just rabbited on and rabbited on and rabbited on and rabbited on and rabbited on. When he eventually sat down, we all breathed a big sigh of relief. I hope we could do that. I said, we did After that man, a man got up called Harry Orr from Brazil. Came from Armagh. And he was, had served the Lord for umpteen years in, in Brazil. And he got up and he spoke for 10 minutes. And changed my life, folks. Changed my life. Because he got up in the power of the Holy Spirit, and in 10 minutes he spoke a word from God that this man had, couldn't speak in all that. What was the difference? The difference was the work of the Holy Spirit in that man's life, empowering him to communicate the word of God with, with power. So, let's just see a couple of things. The most common title for the Spirit of God is what? The Holy Spirit. So in the life of an individual believer, the primary work of God's Spirit is to produce holiness. I think we talked about that the last time, didn't we? We talked about God's Holy Spirit. God demands holiness and God uh, requires holiness. God brings holiness. 
sur où il va. Ah, ça travaillera le sol sur X. And you may, you may well be puzzled. Let me tell you the story of this, not this particular time, when David was young, uh, we homeschooled. So we were always looking for places to take him. So we were always at Beamish Museum, for example, that was one of the places. The Sea Life Centre down at Whitley Bay, we had, a, we had a season ticket down there. But we also went to the Hancock Museum in Newcastle, because it was free, right, okay? So you could go to the Hancock Museum, it was free. And one day we went up to the Hancock Museum, it had an exhibition of dinosaur. And so you went into this room, and it was all dark as you went in, and the lights came on, and there was a full-sized Tyrannosaurus Rex. Scared of the food. Because not only was it, did it look like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, it moved like a Tyrannosaurus It was one of these mechanical animatronics things. And so it moved its head, and it raised its arms, and it opened its mouth, and it roared. And it looked like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, and it moved like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, and it sounded like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It also smelled like a Tyrannosaurus Rex. I don't know how you knew what a Tyrannosaurus Rex is like, but they've got smells even in the room. So when you went into the room, you looked at this Tyrannosaurus Rex and it scared the It really did. And there was kids screaming and, and running out. But when you moved out of that room and you moved into the next room, there was a, another model, but they'd taken the skin off it. And so you could see the gears and the pulleys and the strings that made it work. And so what you realised was that even though it looked like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, sounded like one, smelled like one, moved like one, it was actually just a model. That was all it was. It was just a mechanical reproduction. What was missing from that? Life. Life. It looked right, acted right, smelled right, but it had no life. Folks can I tell you? God's Holy Spirit works to produce and reproduce life in a person, a Christian. You see, Christianity is not about becoming mechanical, right? And there are people who are mechanical. They do the right things, they go to the right places, they say the right things, but don't have the life of God in them. And the life of God in a believer is what? It's the indwelling Holy Spirit. He's, so the Lord Jesus said in John 3, what did he say in John 3? You must be born again. Actually what that word means is born from above. And he goes to explain later on what that means. Born of the Spirit. So here's our life, broken now with sin, um, on the road to hell, and we need not an old life patched up, we need an old life replaced with new life. And what is new life? New life is the indwelling Holy Spirit. When you open your eyes, you understand your need, and you trust Christ, he comes to dwell, and the life of God is implanted in you. And so, you can't have mechanical Christians, can you? I know people that know the word of God much better than I do. They could give you Greek and Hebrew and outlines, but they're still dead in trespasses and sins. So what does the Holy Spirit God do? First of all, you and me, it first of all gives us God's life and then lives God's life in us. What did, what did Paul say? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. 
Right? Okay? In other words, physically moves about. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. But can you see what I'm saying? That in the life of a Christian, God's Holy Spirit works to, to give and exhibit the life of God. Not in a mechanical way. Because we all can do it mechanically, can't you? You can all turn up at meetings and read your Bible. But no, in a real, living, vital, joyful, growing way. So that's the first thing I want to There are, when it comes to believers, some important distinctions to be made. There's what they call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this is the area in which there is probably most confusion in the modern evangelical world, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You read about that only, specifically, in Acts chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians 12. And somebody's going to be, I think I'm going to be covering that, or somebody is going to be covering that recently, soon. So, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's one of the things you need to think about. Let me explain quickly, because we won't have time to do it in any detail. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a historical event to which every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ comes into the good of when they become a Christian. So, so here's a verse. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and we all were made to drink of one spirit. Always in the past tense. Always in the past tense. It's something that's already happened. So what's Paul saying? Let me explain. When, I be when you became a Christian and I became a Christian, what happened? We believe that on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ literally died for our sins. Shed his blood, became the sacrifice for sins, and God was satisfied with that sacrifice of Calvary. Isn't that right? And so when we became a Christian, we realised that that was true, and we came into the good of what happened 2,000 years ago. Right? Isn't that right? Jesus didn't have to die again the night he was saved. He didn't. He didn't have to be repeated. The sacrifice didn't have to be repeated the night we were saved. It happened, and when we got saved, we came into the good of what happened 2,000 years ago. You see what's see what happening? The same with the baptism of the Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, God sent his Spirit down from heaven onto earth to begin something new. And on that day, there was remarkable things happening. Now, if you go through the books of the chapters of the Acts of the Apostles, you see there's four times when something similar happened. And we can talk about that later if you like. But this one baptism of the Holy Spirit was God forming his body and saying, okay, I've started something new. And when you become a Christian, you come into the good of what happened in Acts chapter 2. That's what happens. Acts chapter 2 doesn't have to happen again in the life of a Christian because you come into the good of what happened in Acts chapter 2 when you become a Christian, just the same as you came into the good of it of Calvary when you became. You, you didn't have to have another Calvary. You just had to come into the good of what happened there. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Second. Oh, sorry, that's the diagram with the four different the indwelling and the sealing of the Spirit. You read about that in Ephesians 1 and Romans 8. Here's the, here's the um, 
Here's the scripture in Romans 8. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Right? So can you see what Paul says? If you belong to the Lord Jesus as a Christian, you have the spirit of Christ in you. Because unbelieving, Ephesians says, ye are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God. So, does a Christian need to have another experience to, uh, to get the Spirit of God? No, absolutely not. Because unbelieving, the Holy Spirit of God enters, indwells, seals every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And no Christian has more of the Spirit than any other Christian. None. And you've heard it, you've heard it. The Holy Spirit, I dispense the Holy Spirit. Have you, have you heard that? And something, there was a guy who called himself the Holy Spirit bartender because he gave the Holy Spirit out to people. What blasphemy for? So if you're a true believer, you're baptised in the Spirit and you're indwelt in the Spirit. There are things that have happened at conversion. Single events, once and for all, that are totally complete. Totally complete. However, that's Romans 8. So as an indisputable fact, you are God. But then the Bible talks about the filling of the Spirit. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. So, the filling of the Spirit is something that every Christian should be looking for every single day of their life. We should be putting ourselves before God and saying, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. That's what the, that's what the verbs teach us. So that's not a one-off thing that happens and it's completed. That's something that should be the continuous desire and experience of every believer. And actually, in Ephesians 5, probably there was people sitting listening there to the, 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 the scripture being read. And they said, be filled with the Spirit. And they're thinking, you know, that's my problem. Hmm. That's what's wrong with me. I've been living a, a, a dead and cold Christian life. And it's because the Holy Spirit doesn't have full sway in my life. And he says, okay, if that's the way you are, be filled with the Spirit of God. And Ephesians 5 will never that your means. But then it's called, it's called the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. In other words, when God's Spirit fills you and works through you, it's evident. It can be seen. We've got a, we've got a cherry tree in our front garden. And if you've been down in our front garden, you know it's a cherry tree, don't you? Because it, every year it produces... I nearly said thousands, but my wife's told me a million times not to exaggerate. Um, it's just, just hanging with cherries. And you don't look at that tree and say, I wonder what kind of tree it is. You look at the tree and you say, it's a cherry tree because it's producing cherries. Do you know what this is saying? You should be able to look at a Christian and not have to wonder. Because what the Lord does is, by his spirit, he produces fruit in your life. And the fruit is love, joy, peace, and all the things that we studied before. And so you look at a life who says they're a Christian, and you say, okay, is the Holy Spirit producing fruit in my life? Is it evident that I'm a Christian? And those things, the filling of the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, are continual things that happen in our Christian life. It's half past. I haven't even begun to speak about what I was going to say about what will this finish here, eh? Can you just see how important it is as individuals that we understand the importance and the, 
function of the Holy Spirit. And they, because without the Holy Spirit of God, you know what we can do? If all we're doing is mechanical T-Rexes going through the motions, we're not producing the life of God. So God preserve us from just becoming mechanical in our Christian life. May the Lord help us to be spirit-filled Christians that produce spiritual fruit. Let's pray and we'll have a look at the Lord, thank you for your word and for the way it helps us. We pray that we might not confuse the clear teaching of your word with our own ideas, but that the Spirit of God himself may be the one who teaches us the truth that really, really matters. So thank you, Lord, for us being together. Thank you for all we've come. Thank you too for giving us all a fresh now to eat as we finish. We give thanks in the Lord's name. Amen.